Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just worship in church. Right now, just put your mind upon Jesus. Close your eyes. Put your mind upon Jesus. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about what's going to happen next. Don't, don't worry about this afternoon or tonight. Just think about Jesus. Because without him, we are nothing. His word tells us in John 15, 5, that without him, we can do nothing. But with him, we can do all things. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We love your presence. We thank you for your presence in this place. I pray right now, Father, that you would move through this congregation. Lord, that you would begin to heal God bodies in this congregation. Father, that you would begin to touch lives, provide. God, give direction. Lord, give peace right now, rest. Lord, those that are struggling, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them. Father, that your presence would rest upon those that are in conflict, those that, Father, don't know which way to go. They don't know what to do. Father, I pray that you would just begin to move upon them. Father, that we would feel your presence. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We just give you honor, God. We wait on you, Lord, right now. We just wait upon you, God. We let your presence move in this place, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We magnify you today, God. We glorify you. And we lift your name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He is so good to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you be seated this morning? Wow, he's good. Amen. Well, before we get started this morning, um, I want to make a, just a quick announcement. Um, and this seems really, really loud to me. So guys in the back, if you could help me out, it's kind of throwing me off a little bit. Uh, tonight at Hope City, how many know where Hope City is? If you know, raise your hand if you know where Hope City is. So what's Hope City? The old Assembly of God Church. How many know where that's at? <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you need directions, come see me. They're having a special service tonight uh, with a guest speaker. His name is Luke Holter, and uh, this young man has a tremendous gift in word of knowledge and word of wisdom, and so they're having a special uh, service. They've invited us to come to be a part, and so I told them that I would make that announcement and make that available to you so that you knew about that, and so you can uh, come and be a part. How many love Jesus in this place? Raise your hand. Okay, I just wanted to see if your hands were working. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I was getting a little concerned. I, I, was, I, was, I was like, wow, you know, nobody's raising their hand. And I thought, well, we'll check it out, see if it's working. Man, God's good. Can you say amen? amen. How many know, let me ask a question. This is going to seem like a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How many know that we need to take the word of God serious? I know your hands are working because when you said you love Jesus, everybody raised their hand. Not everybody raised their hand on taking the Word of God serious. How, how many know we need to take the Word of God serious? Amen. 
Amen. You say, well, why are you doing that? Well, sometimes it helps us to get involved, doesn't it? Sometimes it helps us to kind of get out of our just, you know, every now and then we got to get out of the routine a little bit. We kind of got to break the, the, the routine and we just got to go, you know what, I'm going to step into what God wants from me. And you know, the word of God is such a powerful thing. And, and I think most Christians would acknowledge at least intellectually, we would acknowledge or mentally, we'll uh, give mental assent to the fact that we need to take the Word of God serious. But oftentimes, as we travel through life, as we are going through the journey of life, the Word of God sometimes becomes what I would call optional. It's kind of, well, I'll take it or leave it attitude. It's like, well, if it's working, then I'm on board with it. But if it doesn't seem to be working, then I'm going to just set it aside and look for some other thing. How many know what I'm talking about? I know that's true with me, and I have to refocus all the time in my life. I have to go, wait a second, just because it doesn't seem like things are working the way I want them to, um, I, I really have to take this word serious, and I have to believe God for it. I have, to, I have to stand upon it, waiting upon the Lord. How many know the Bible says to wait upon the Lord? And sometimes God doesn't show up in the time frame that we would like him to. He doesn't do things. How many know God doesn't always do things the way we want him to do things? You know, if I, I, I have a prescribed way of doing things, and I think God ought to go by my steps, but God, oftentimes what he says to us is he says, well, I'm going to do something completely different because I have a bigger view than what you have. And I know what's best for you. How many know that God knows what's best? He really does know what's best for us. And so that's why his word tells us to trust him with all of our heart and not to lean on our own understanding because we just don't always have enough information. We just don't. And so we really do need to trust the Lord. So this morning, what I want to do is I, I want to begin a new series um, I, I, this is something that really has been not only laid upon my heart, but this is something that I have been living through. And this series is dealing with a subject that I believe that we desperately need to understand. And once again, my definition of understanding is not that we just give mental assent to it, but that we actually get it down inside of our living, inside of our heart. Can you say amen? And that is our, the, the subject that we're going to deal with is the identity that we have as an overcomer. I believe we need to know, not just mentally, but know in our heart that we are in fact overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Can you say amen? So I want to take a few minutes, if I can, and I want to kind of set the stage. This is what this sermon's going to be about, is really setting the stage for the rest of the sermons to come. But I believe this is vitally important to us. I believe God's got a word for us today. See, far too many Christians are falling victim to the trials and tribulations of this life when it is absolutely unnecessary. Amen. Too many Christians are falling victim to the trials and the tribulations that this life will present when it's unnecessary. The Bible tells us 
that because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we are in fact more than conquerors. Because of what Jesus did. How many know that Jesus gave us victory? Raise your hand if you know that. Amen. We know that. He gave us victory, yet when you talk to the average Christian, while they can articulate it, they can say it out loud, oftentimes it's not a reality that they're living through. And that's got to change. Listen to what Paul tells the Romans in Romans chapter 8. He says, who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. He says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to those words. Don't let that just be a quaint saying or something that we've heard in sermons before. Let that be a reality in your life, that we are more than conquerors and that we are persuaded, that we have a persuasion that nothing can separate me from the love of God. It's interesting this morning to me how many times we are surprised by the difficulties that come in life. When we're faced with a difficulty, oftentimes we are very surprised by it. It's like, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? It doesn't matter whether it's in our marriage, it doesn't matter if it's in our families or our job or our finances or our church. We always seem to be surprised when things become difficult. This is nothing new. The Bible talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter's writing, he says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as some strange thing has happened to you. Listen to those words. He says, look, don't think it's strange. Don't be confused by this. Don't think that something wild or special or out of the ordinary or some strange thing has happened to you. Life sometimes is difficult. Can you say amen? In fact, he goes on in chapter 1, and he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory, and revelation at Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying there's a lot more going on here than just a difficult day. Can you say amen to that? Come on. James even picks up this idea. In James chapter 1, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen to that. God is up to something. Now, I don't believe for a second that God is the author of the trials and tribulations of our life. 
I don't believe that God sits down like a maniacal evil scientist and comes up with a concoction of difficult, difficult things in our life to see how we're going to fare. The reality is life is good at that all by itself. Life will just happen. And then you put in the pesky devil and you know what happens. And there's enough going on, but God will allow and often use those trials and tribulations to accomplish his purpose in your life to bring about a stronger and better you. You say, well, why is that? Because God says in your weakness, my strength will be perfected. Do you catch that? In, in, in your weakness, in when you're at your weakest, God says, I'm going to show you my strongest. Amen. And he says, it's going to do something. Jesus even tells his disciples <clears throat> in John chapter 16, he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen to those things. We need to take that serious. Can you say amen? We need to apply those to our lives. See, this life is filled with difficulty. It's filled with problems and setbacks and hardships and trials and tribulations and bad days. That's not surprising. That is life. But what Scripture tells us is that we do not have to be defined by those trials and tribulations. We are not to fall victim to them. We are well able to overcome them. Can you say amen? amen. And in the end, they will serve to produce a greater strength, a greater grace, a greater understanding of who God is and who we are and all that God has for us. Can you say amen? God will accomplish his purpose. Now listen to these words once again. I know there's a lot of scripture in this sermon today, but I want you to listen to these words because God spoke them to us to help us as we go through life. In 2 Corinthians, in verse, or chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says, For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, what treasure? That knowledge, that understanding of who Jesus is in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. <coughs> Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. Now jump down to verse 16. He says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Now listen, for our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, why we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We got to get that, church. This is Christianity 101, and sometimes we lose it right here. Because we pay attention so much to what we can see. 
what we could see, what we could feel. We allow our five senses, our five physical senses, to guide our lives so much, to determine how we make decisions, to determine whether we're going to have a good day or a bad day. We allow our senses to instruct our mind to tell us whether God's for us or against us. Amen. I, I, it's amazing to me. It is just, it blows my mind. How many people that have come to church over the 30 years of ministry and the churches that I've been involved in, how many people have come, and when they come, they come like this. They say, you know what, we came here, we felt the Spirit of God, and God spoke to us and said, this is your church. You with me? But then the moment the first hardship came, or the moment there was a difficulty, or the moment they realized that the church is filled with people that are imperfect, how quickly God changes his mind. I don't know how many men and women have come to me and said, Pastor, we want to get married. We believe this is the will of God for our lives. <clears throat> I have found my soulmate until they figure out their soulmate's got bad breath or wakes up and their hair just don't look like, how many know what I'm talking about? Or they figure out that they married a human being that's filled with problems and difficulties. Come on now. I, I, how many people have come to me and said, this job, this is the job, this car, this house, this thing, this, that. And they tell me, this is God until the difficulty comes. <laughs> come on now. And we're like, what happened? We're surprised. We're taken aback. And it's like, well, let me tell you something. There is not one thing in this life that you will find that will be perfect. And if you find a church, a person, a job, or a house, or a dog, or a cat, whatever, that's perfect, get rid of it because you're going to mess it up. <laughs> Come on now. The reality is there's difficulties in life. Sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go. And we put our eyes on the temporary rather than the eternal. And we forget that, you know what, God is involved in this thing called life. And God's more concerned about the whole than he is the moment. Are you hearing me? See, the devil will try to convince you that you're a failure. He will try to tell you that your life is over and that nothing good lies ahead of you. But I'm here to tell you that that is simply not true. See, these emotions, they're always temporary and fleeting. But if we pay attention to them, we will galvanize them inside of us. The enemy is trying to use them to hold you back and to keep you from experiencing the fullness of God in your life. So how do you know this? Because I have lived this. <laughs> it's, it's funny, I, I, I've had circumstances where, you know, I've heard those words. Well, you've messed up. You, you, you've, you've messed up, man. You, you've, you've blown it. You, you know, your personality, who you are, what you are, it just ain't the same. They don't like you. Nobody likes you. You might as well just get up and go away. Just go away. Just go, go be an accountant. Go do taxes somewhere. Go be a bag boy at Safeway or do something. Do something other than this because you can't do this because you aren't the man. 
And I've bought into it. Well, well, yeah, you know, I look in the mirror and go, yeah, I don't look like the man to me. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, I could tell you that most of us would be reluctant to admit it, and I know I'm being a little bit vulnerable, but I know everyone in this place has felt that way. We have felt that way. Can you say amen? Amen. Although we don't like to admit it, there are times in our life when we do hit a brick wall. There are times when it's very difficult. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn, and we don't even know how to pray. And sometimes it's just like we've hit a dead end, and everything is finished. It's over. It's done with. And these feelings usually arise when we think we have failed or that people have misunderstood you. Have you ever been misunderstood? It's, It's kind of a reality daily for me. Or have you ever been judged unfairly? <laughs> Even when we make serious mistakes, these setbacks, you've got to understand, even when it's real, these setbacks are rarely as irreparable as they seem to be. Are you hearing me? I understand that these emotions can be very real. And I validate that, and I validate your feeling. But look at your feeling does not define you. Your feeling is not the end of the road. Your feeling is not permanent. See, when others tell you that your situation is horrible, you need to understand it is not as bad as you think. And you need to remember to be grateful for all the good in your life. <clears throat> the other day, I was kind of having one of those days. And I know that you all have them as well. But I was kind of feeling a little bit down. I was kind of having my little pity party. I didn't want to invite nobody there. And there was things I was dwelling on. And I had to make a decision. I remember in the midst of that, I said to myself, you have got to stop looking at the negative. And you have got to start looking at the positive. You have got to see what's right instead of what's wrong. See, life has taught us to see what's wrong. And it's easy. I I remember when years ago, before I became a pastor, I used to work at a a grocery store. It was called Warehouse Foods. It was right over here on on Andy Devine. And and I had kind of climbed up the ladder real quick, and I became the second assistant manager. And so my job was, you know, they had the manager, the assistant manager, and then me. And so I was kind of the low man on the totem pole as far as management went. So what that meant is I got all the bad jobs. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I remember one day the district manager comes in and he, uh, uh, he's walking through. So the manager and me are walking with the district manager. And it was my job to write down everything the district manager didn't like. And I remember as we're walking through, he's going, well, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and so I'm writing it all down, don't like this, don't like that. And I thought to myself, I need that job. <laughs> because I thought, it is so easy to point out what's wrong. It is fundamentally different to fix what someone else perceives is wrong. See, because he could, look at the, he could look at a display and go, well, that's set up wrong. It doesn't need to be. But without any understanding of what it took to put it there, 
without understanding the hours it took to get it there and to get what we had. He's like, change it. It's no big deal. It's just whatever. See, it's easy to go by what we see. It's easy to look at what's wrong and to look at what's negative. It's easy to buy in to the difficulty. Can you say amen? Amen. But look at, let me say this to you today. The truth is, it doesn't matter what you feel. Now, with all due respect to your feeling and validating your feelings, you need to understand you are still responsible to get up, brush yourself off, and start moving forward. Are you hearing me? If you don't feel that that's your responsibility, likely you are going to live in that cesspool the rest of your life. And God has gone so far as to say, I have a plan for you in it. He says, I will help you. See, the Bible is very clear when it comes to the idea of our continuing permanent victory. Let me say it again. What you possess within you is continuing permanent victory. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us the victory. So the question then is, so who is an overcomer? Well, an overcomer is someone who basically prevails. They're going to rise above the hardships. They're going to endure until the end. And they're going to finish the course. They are going to live the way of an overcomer. They understand that there'll be times of difficulty. But they set their reaction to it so that there will be victory. See, your reaction during the hard times determines everything. How you react to a hard time will determine every, it will determine the outcome. Are you hearing me? Job faced greater obstacles than any other biblical character. He was pushed to the limit. He lost everything. Yet in the end, he found a way to become an overcomer. Now this morning, I know that I've taken a lot of time to get to my text, but that's okay. I have not forgotten. The most profound scripture relating to our victory and our identity as an overcomer is found in Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. Let's look at it. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. They overcame him. Who's him? The devil. If you look at it, if you look at the rest of the chapter, you'll understand that there was war in heaven and Satan and all of this stuff. And he comes down and he says, And they, the saints of God, overcame him the devil, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. This is a powerful and beautiful picture of who we are as victorious. Can you say amen? The whole scene in this verse is really a grand display of victory that's been established in Christ. And there is something very powerful for you and he... I to catch here in this portion of scripture. We need to catch this. John tells us in the scripture that we are overcomers and that we have great victory, but I know this morning it just doesn't seem real. I know that. 
I often think of men and women in the Bible like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and David. And I think about their victories. I think about how they withstood and how they went through the trials and the tribulations of their day, yet they came out victorious. Yet I feel like most of the time myself, like Gideon, who is hiding in the wine press. How many know what I'm talking about? And I believe the problem is, is this idea of overcoming has been, become an obsolete concept. In many ways, we've replaced it. We've replaced overcoming with compromise. We've replaced it with complacency and apathy. We have literally lost the will to fight. We've lost the will, the drive to win. What we do is we negotiate rather than standing our ground. I'm not, I didn't forget where I was at. I want you to think about that. See, I find today the church is more, re more willing to negotiate with sin than to overcome it. We're more willing to negotiate with sickness rather than to bring it down. Jesus said in his word, by my stripes you are healed. Yet we will negotiate with sickness if that, as if that is not a reality. We will negotiate with habits and problems and setbacks. And the problem is, this morning, that what's happened is we're just not growing spiritually. We've got to grow spiritually. There's, there's a reason for this. There's a reason that this is happening. It's because we've been stymied and we've bought into this thought that, you know what, it's not going to get any better. This is as good as it gets. We've bought into a lie, church. Can you say Amen. And we've been held captive by the past. <clears throat> we're being held captive by habitual sins and negative thoughts and irrational feelings and destructive behaviors. And they are at work in our lives. And rather than pull them down in victory, we negotiate with them. And in the end, we're unable to control these areas of our life. And we're continually falling victim to them. So how do you know this? Because I talk with people all the time. And this is the reality and more Christians today are white-knuckling their way through life. Let me tell you something. I, let, let me just show you what I'm talking about. It is amazing to me how, how aggressive people will talk about what is said on CNN. As if they have the final word, or Fox News, or whatever your particular news outlet is, Glenn Beck or whoever, and you go, that's it. See, this, these, there's those no good for nothing liberals. They're rah. And we just get so aggressive. And see, this, this, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know what? This nation is going down, and we're going to have all these problems and this and that. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says when the church rises up, there will be revival. And what happens is the church needs to get a hold of the idea that God is the, he is the Lord of hosts. He is the, he is the captain of the armies of heaven. And he has victory. He's gained it. He's got it. The devil is defeated. Can you say amen? And what we need to do is go, yeah, I don't care what they're saying. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. 
I remember reading about a man named Smith Wigglesworth and, and part of his biography, part of who he was, is he never read anything other than the Bible. And, and one day he was sitting in a restaurant and somebody walked up to him and says, you know, Mr. Wigglesworth, why is it that you don't want to know what the news is? And he goes, if I want to know news, I will go to the good news. And I love that answer because see, somewhere that's got to have precedent. Now, I'm not telling you to go home and throw away your TV and never read a newspaper again, but I'm telling you here today that they don't have the last word. Jesus does. Can you say amen to that? This may come as a revelation to many Christians, but we're not supposed to be punching bags for the devil. God has called us to be conquerors, to walk in victory over all the work of the enemy. Victory is not an option. Listen to me. If you get anything out of this sermon, get this. Victory is not an option. It's a birthright. It's an identity. It is who we are. Can you say amen? Now, I want to show you, as I, as I begin to wind this up tonight, today, I want to show you something that's really powerful. I want to show you and let, uh, have you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There's a story in this, a, a really short story here, that reveals this, and there is such a great revelation in this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may May be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort where, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Man, we read that and we go, oh, thank you, Jesus. I love your comfort. Hallelujah. Pour out your comfort. And, and he begins this story with what we fully expect Christianity to be. It should be comfortable. Come on. But then... Paul takes in verse 8, he takes a detour here, and he kind of goes to a dark place. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he goes, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. See, Paul's words in 2 Corinthians teaches us what to do when we feel like we can do nothing else, when we don't have any strength, when we feel we are no match for the challenges that we are facing. He's telling us in this scripture that we must simply surrender to the resurrection power of Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul did when he found himself face-to-face with life-threatening situations. This is an amazing scripture to me. And it's an amazing scripture of victory. Even though it is filled with an overwhelming struggle, he begins this statement with, we don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. Think about this for a moment. He's writing to this group of people, the Corinthians, and he says, it's important to me that you know what I'm going through. It's important to me that you understand the trouble. And I had to ask myself, well, why would he want them to know? Was he bragging? 
Was he simply saying, look how spiritual I am because of all the trouble that's on my life? No, that's not what he's doing. The reality is there, the, the, the severity of the trouble revealed the incredible greatness of God's victory. I'm going to say again, you didn't get it because I didn't get it. I said it. The severity of the trouble reveals the incredible greatness of God's victory. The severity of the trouble he goes, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble that came to us in Asia. We don't want you to be ignorant of all that we went through and that we actually had the sentence of death in us because we want you to see the kind of power that our God displays. That's the point of this scripture. This is not a negative scripture. This is a positive one. When Paul wrote, we had the sentence of death in our life, it was extreme, in fact, the situation that he is facing was so extreme that he compared it to the sentence of death. It's dramatic language. Can you say amen? He goes on and he says, the trouble. And when you begin to look up these words and you begin to do some exegesis of this scripture and look up the words that are going on here, he's talking about pressure and affliction and anguish and burden and persecution and tribulation. And then he talks about being pressed down and overwhelmed and overloaded and outnumbered by the circumstances. And he goes, and it was beyond measure, exceedingly. It was like somebody was throwing us beyond our ability. And he says, and the result was all of our strength was gone. And he, seemed, he said, it seemed like death was inevitable. Are you hearing me? Something happened to Paul that was beyond his bearing. He was in so much danger that he had literally the sentence of death on him. There was something very sinister something very evil, destructive that was about this whole experience. Yet in the middle of it was God's plan to come through. That God was going to do something powerful. And, and Paul chose that rather than the inevitable. Are you hearing me? See, the word sentence in the Greek is a word that refers to a jury that has handed down the final sentence in a court of law. So what this is, it's describing the verdict or the, the pronouncement of a jury that says you just received the death penalty. That's what he's talking about. He's telling them the, the odds are stacked against them. By all appearance, it seemed that there was no way out. And it looked as if they hit a dead end. But it's not just any dead end. It's a dead end that seemed that there was only one possible outcome. It was death. This is how severe Paul, what this is, this is, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to understand the situation I was in was really bad. I want you to understand that we didn't have any choices. There were no options. The only thing that we could see is death on the horizon. But in spite of how things appeared, Paul did not die. He did not fall. He did not falter. He did not fail. What he did is he made a choice to look to God, and he said, you know what? I, this has all come about so that I can get my eyes off me, and I can get my eyes on the one who is the author of resurrection power, and he's going to come 
come through because God's got a will for my life. And if he needs to raise me from the dead, then so be it. But I win. That's powerful. Come on. <laughs> you, uh, well, well. you just won a million dollars. Okay. Gosh, how much taxes do I got to pay? What? What? We're going to pay off your house. Oh, great. Now I don't have no tax deduction on my 1040. We're going to give you a brand new car. Oh, it's going to get scratched at Walmart. I just, I just know it. I'm a, I don't know. Somewhere Christians got to get excited. Can you say amen? We are victorious in Jesus' name. You got to get out of the boat. I look around the room. Can I just, let me get honest. I look around the room. How many here are over 50? If you're over 50, raise your hand. Most of the room. If you're under 50, raise your hand. Probably about 80% over 50. You know what happens when you get over 50? Start getting an attitude. You you say, how do you know that? Because I'm over 50 and I got one. And you get this attitude like, eh, whatever. You know, my day is over. Your day is not over, church. You need to get excited for Jesus, and you need to get a, a kick in your step, and you need to start brightening up, and you go, you know what, all this hardship, stop. You know what, if you're, if you're feeling negative, then stop watching the news. Stop it. Stop watching. Just stop filling yourself with negative. Fill yourself with God. Go to the Word where he says you are more than an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Go to the word that says that you can live and not die so that you may proclaim the works of the Lord. Can you say amen? Somewhere along the line, we've bought into a lie that my life don't matter anymore. I don't care if you're 900 years old in this place. Anybody over 900? Okay, if you're at 900, I'll give you the right to complain. But up until 899, you need to live as if Jesus is on the throne. Can you say amen? You need to walk in and you need to speak life. Walk into your home and, and into your family. And Holy cow, I'm off the notes. You need, to, you need to let God be God. Can you say amen? We are victorious. We walk the way of the overcomer. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we need to get excited about it. You say, what does that mean? That means your grandchildren can be saved. Your great-grandchildren can be saved. I know that's an issue. <laughs> I'll get right on the nerve. You, got, you, you, you sit back and you go, well, I live on a fixed income. God will supply your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And he ain't on a, he ain't on a fixed income. He got more than enough. Well, my body hurts. He's got healing. Amen. Amen. He's got life everlasting. You know what it says about the ones that walk through the wilderness? You know what? It talks about their teeth, their grinders. They didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. They wore the same shoes for 40 years. God fed them and cared for them. And you know what? Caleb was 80 years old, and he says, my strength is still the same as when I was in my 20s. 
You say, well, that's not possible now. That's just Old Testament. It's New Testament, brother. Let me tell you, they were all under an old covenant. They were under an inferior covenant. We have a better covenant. Can you say amen? And somewhere along the line, what's happened is we've kind of just gotten into the flow. Well, you know, we're just going to wait it out. What are you waiting for? I'm just waiting to die and to slide into the grave. Nobody would say that, but that is the attitude. We need to wake up and go, I'm waiting for my Lord and God to show up in power and glory, and I'm going to see him move in power, and I'm going to usher it in through the words of my mouth and the actions of my life, and I am not going to receive the lie of the devil, and I'm going to put him down, and I'm going to tell him he has no place. Can you say amen to that? Paul is facing, I'll I, I bring this to a close. I, I'm running out of time. Jason, you can come. Paul is facing a dire situation. Paul is in a place where it's difficult. That's his point. He says, you know what? We had the sentence of death at work. He goes, somehow, somebody, somewhere. It got, it got bad. He goes, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. He says, because God came through. He says, you know what? The one that raises Christ, raised Christ from the dead, we learn to trust him. We learn to put our eyes upon him. And he came through. We don't want you ignorant of the trouble because we want you to see the glory. We want you to see the power. Church, we need to get a hold of this. We need to make this our own. We need to put this on the inside. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know in your family, in your home, your life, your job, your, your, your retirement. I don't know. I don't know what you're facing in your, in your body. Don't let the petty things of life pull you aside. Don't let, let the issues of comfort become issues that will derail you. Say, you know what, God, I don't care about all that crap. What I care about is you. Are you hearing me? We need that. Can you say amen? bow your heads with me this morning Father we just thank you so much for all that you're doing Father we thank you God that you have given us this revelation Father we pray today that you would cause this revelation to come alive inside of us Father we pray that as we go to our homes today that we would wake up to the fact that you are still on the throne that you have more than enough victory for all of us. God, that there is not a situation or a circumstance that we are facing that you cannot deal with. Father, we, we know that you are more than enough. We thank you today. So we put our eyes upon you, Jesus. We put our eyes upon you. And though we may have to wait and there may be things that we don't understand and, and there may be difficulty in the process, we, we still trust you. We, we don't lean to our own understanding, but we trust you with all of our heart because we know this, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Because of salvation, because you died and rose again, and because of faith and through grace, God, we, that grace and that faith that brought us to you, God, we now can walk in victory, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you for that free gift and that we have been made righteous, and we have been made whole, and we have been made more than conquerors in you. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Why don't you stand to your feet across this place? Amen. Our prayer team is coming. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. 
we want to say God bless you. Remember, next week we'll have part two, and it will be equally as fun. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.